Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Da 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 da
Everyone wants to know where I wrote this niggin. In the coziest place in the world. Where there's a fire of truth burning at all times. The only place in the world that you could plug yourself in and recharge and recharge and recharge. I remember it was during Ella one night Seder. I was learning in Silver Spring. I think it was a Thursday night. And I opened up the sneakers. Oh, yeah. 
JM in the AM. Yassis is done by Yoni Stern. Before that, you heard the uh, amazing brand news. Oh, actually, uh, you heard Yummy Lowy before that with Yala Viovo, which we'll say this coming Tuesday for Rosh Chodesh. The amazing brand new CD from Eitan Katz live in Jerusalem with Lemancha. Simcha Liner had Misha Asa. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh is coming Shabbos tomorrow. Kol Ish with Curry Bone. And Regesh with Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on this 28th of March, the 26th day in the month of Adar 2, the year 5774, Tav and Dalet. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Tazria, Erev Shabbos HaChodesh. Two Torahs tomorrow. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be on Tuesday. Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be on Tuesday. Tomorrow we'll bench Rosh Chodesh. Candle lighting time here in the New York New Jersey area, 6.57. 6.57. Some synagogues may begin earlier than that. Make sure you know when things start where you are. In Israel, they are now on standard time. Correction. In Israel, they are now on daylight savings time, which means that there's, again, a seven-hour difference between us in the eastern time zone and the state of Israel. 39 degrees, 67% humidity, winds are west at three miles an hour. Showers today with a high of 59, and tonight showers early with a low 42. Tomorrow rain, a high Shabbos, 51 degrees. It looks like a wet Shabbos, but a warmer one than we've been used to, that's for four. That's for sure. 84 in Yerushalayim, 39 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Manhattan Day School has their big Rashi play presentation today. We'll try to dedicate a song or two later on to that. Malcolm Honline will join us 7.40 this morning. We call it the weekly update. Malcolm Honline will be joining us here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin at 8.15 with the Torah portion of the week and, of course, amazing programming all day long on our stream at jmintheam.org. This coming Tuesday, a historic day at JM in the AM. This coming Tuesday, a historic day at JM in the AM. The great Hasidic music legend, Ben Sion Schenker, will be in this studio on Rosh Chodesh morning right here at JM in the AM. Ben Sion Schenker, this coming Tuesday, in studio, a Rosh Chodesh morning. We'll open up the phones, we'll talk about his brand new CD, and we will discuss... His amazing career, all happening this Tuesday right here at JM in the AM. Want to wish a Mazel Tov to Frimi and ZK, Frimi and Zalman Kopel. Early this morning, became parents of a brand new baby boy. Mazel Tov to the Goldenbergs, to the Kopels. A major Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Many of you, of course, know ZK. He's always our Chief engineer, especially on the road, but always, uh, always doing amazing work for us. So Panina and Shmuli have a younger brother, and we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JMNAM. This news broke just about four hours ago. Friday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. Good morning, everybody. We continue at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91. Point nine on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org.
Shabbos Kodesh. You that look prepare for Shabbos Kodesh. Joy is in the air for Shabbos Kodesh. Everyone with a soul aflame to meet the Shabbos Kodesh. Everyone with a role to play to greet the Shabbos Kodesh. A priceless gift, a spiritual lift. Everyone finds a way to assist. Do whatever they can do for the Shabbos Kodesh. A pleasure for the Jew is the Shabbos Kodesh.
Excuse me, J.M. in the A.M. with the Maccabees and Lachad Dodi. I want to congratulate all the teams that won yesterday in the uh, big Saracek tournament up at YU. What happens is 20 teams from around North America come in every year to Yeshiva University for an amazing high school basketball tournament. It really is incredible. And a special... Uh, a special thank you to our friends at Max Live. They have all the games, M-A-C-S-L-I-V-E, MaxLive.com, who, uh, who are doing a remarkable job. Everyone's enjoying the games. Uh, the, the, the day opened yesterday with Atlanta beating Cooper from Memphis by four points, which is pretty amazing. The Ida Crown game against MTA. A one-point MTA victory. Our congratulations to uh, TABC, 
who beat Hillel from down in Florida. Congratulations to Frisch, who beat Maimonides late last night. A lot of big games going on today. If you go to maxlive.com, you'll see the whole schedule. M-A-C-S-Live.com. And today, I guess, would be considered the Tier 1 quarterfinals. Sunday will be the Tier 1 semifinals beginning at 3 p.m. up at YU. I believe it's 3 o'clock. Maybe it's 2 o'clock, either 2 or 3. And then, of course, Monday's the championship. Friday morning broadcast, you heard the uh, L'Chadodi done by the Maccabees. Kamu from Yaakov Shweki, great song from Aisha's Heil from his brand-new CD, Kolot. Benny Friedman with the opening number off B'nai Hechala, Shabbos with Benny Friedman. Ohad with Mia Deer, an Iron Titlebaum presentation that we got off YouTube that has, uh, in one week, <laughs> garnered a lot of views. Uh, Ohad is simply spectacular. Candlelighting at 6.57 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Tazria, Erev Shabbos HaChodesh, will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Am I wrong, is it? Where am I here? Oh, yeah, Parsha Tazria. There you go. Candle lighting at 6.57. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nissan will be on Tuesday. 39 degrees, showers, with a high temperature of 59. Looks like a rainy Shabbos, to say the least. We congratulate the third graders up in Manhattan Day School who are preparing for their big Rashi play that's going to be happening later today. Many looking forward to that. Want to wish a Mazel Tov to a ZK. Frimi and ZK, the Copels, have a brand new baby boy as of early this morning. Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Want to wish a Mazel Tov to Coach Elliot Weiselberg. His Hart Torah team won their championship last night. Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. This week on Table for Two, right after JM in the AM, Naomi Nachman is in studio with Rabbi Moshe Elephant, Chief, Chief Operating Officer at the OU. They'll discuss quinoa, hot new items available for Pesach, and the OU hotline. Also, Susie Fishbein, the great chef, will share her latest gourmet traveling adventures. And Michelle Conrad, from Pesach and Lake George, all this is happening between 9 and 10 this morning with Naomi Nachman. Always an amazing show called Table for Two on our stream at jmandtheam.org. Coming up at 10 o'clock, courtesy of our friends at Kedem, an amazing and a, an incredible Erev Shabbos music mix from 10 a.m. all the way until candlelighting time. Make sure to join the Erev Shabbos music mix. I don't think there is any better way to prepare for Shabbos than by tuning into our Erev Shabbos music mix and just enjoying. Simple as that. Friday morning, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Israel is now on daylight savings time, seven-hour difference between the Eastern Time Zone and the Holy Land. Malcolm Holmline will join us at 7.40 for a weekly update. We'll explore what's happening in this amazing world of ours coming up at 7.40 this morning. Or by Uden at 8.15, 9 a.m. The show will end and Naomi Nachman will take over on the stream at jmnam.org.
That is our Friday schedule. Avrami does Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night beginning at 10 on our stream. Matis, 7 a.m. Sunday morning with JM Sunday on our stream at jmandtheam.org. Make sure you're tuned into all of that. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Spoke your toe from JM and the AM. הערכה האמריקנית, רוסיה מתכננת פלישה נוספת לאוקראינה. כתבתנו חן פישר. הוול סטריט ג'ורנל מדווח כי אלפי חיילים רוסים המוצבים באוקראינה מכינים קווי הספקה מוסתרים שיוכלו לשמש אותם במקרה של מבצע ממושך. גורם בכיר במודיעין האמריקני מעריך שאין מדובר בתרגילים, כפי שמוסקבה טוענת, אלא הכנה למבצע רחב היקף. ברור שפוטין רוצה להתקדם פנימה לתוך אוקראינה, אמר הגורם שהוסיף. השאלה היא, האם כבר נעשתה ההחלטה הפוליטית במוסקבה כדי לממש את המהלך? בתוך כך, שווייץ מטילה הגבלות על יצוא אמצעים צבאיים לרוסיה. זאת, כלשון הודעת מוסקבה, בעקבות האירועים האחרונים סביב אוקראינה, אשר אינם עולים בקנה אחד עם עקרונות המדיניות הניטרלית של שווייץ. עוד נכתב בהצהרת משרד החוץ של רוסיה, ההגבלות הללו החלות במספר תחומים של שיתוף פעולה הן בלתי מוצדקות. ביישוב פורידיס שני אחים נדקרו על ידי שכניהם, כתבנו קובי מנדל. שני אחים בשנות השלושים נדקרו באורח קשה בשל סכסוך שכנים על חניה, סכסוך שהוביל לתגרה בין המשפחות. השניים פונו לבית החולים וכוחות גדולים של משטרה מתחנת זיכרון יעקב ומג"ב נמצאים בכפר למנוע עימותים נוספים. שוטרי תחנת זיכרון יעקב פועלים לעצור את החשודים בדקירה שזהותם ידועה. גבר בן 66 נפגע קשה והתמוטט במהלך מרוץ רעננה. הוא פונה מונשם לבית החולים מאיר, לשם הגיעו עוד ארבעה רצים עם פגיעות קלות. התקנה כתבתנו הדס שטייף. במסחר במטבע החוץ, הדולר ירד היום בכשתי עשיריות האחוז לשלושה שקלים, ארבעים ותשע אגורות ושמונה עשיריות האגורה. האירו נחלש בכרבע אחוז ושערו היציג נקבע על ארבעה שקלים, שמונים אגורות ושמונה עשיריות האגורה. מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע, חם ויבש מהרגיל לעונה, בעיקר בהרים ובפנים הארץ. מחר בשעות הצהריים יחדור לאזורנו אוויר קריר יותר ולח, ובלילה צפוי גשם מקומי בצפון. אלה החדשות שעורך עידו דוד כהן, בצוות הודיה קוסלובסקי ואבי כהן.
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning broadcast with plenty of great music on this Friday. Erev Shabbos, we get set to Bentrosh Chodesh tomorrow. Tomorrow is Parshas Tazria and Shabbos HaChodesh, two Torahs. Well, Bentrosh Chodesh Nisan, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Nisan will be on Tuesday, please God. God Elbaz with Hashem Melech, Effie Green had Birkas Habanim. You heard Yehuda Green in there with the Barditchever Nigan and Chazan Yitzchak Meir Helfgott with Yismachu B'Malchuscha off of the Eternal Echoes. Collection. 23 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning. Candle lighting at 6.57 later today. Some synagogues might begin earlier than that to make sure you know when things start where you are. Now a seven-hour difference between us and the folks in Israel. They're back on daylight savings time as of early this morning. So a seven-hour difference again. Showers today with a high 59. Looks like a pretty wet weekend in general. Want to wish a happy birthday to Milt Feldman. One of our great and amazing listeners for so many years, Milt Feldman, is celebrating a milestone birthday tomorrow. So I take this opportunity to say happy birthday, Milt, from all of us here at JM in the AM. He is uh, celebrating, and we are celebrating with him. Uh, we'll make sure to have a Lachayim at some point tomorrow in his honor. So a big happy birthday to our friend Milt Feldman here at JM. In the AM, Sarachek tournament continues up at Yeshiva University and other locations uh, uh, today. A lot of games today as uh, they continue to plow through to get to the big final on Monday. And uh, congratulations to all the schools that have been doing really nice. Everyone's doing nicely, but some schools are actually uh, coming out as winners of the games and moving on in the Tier 1 levels. We wish them all good luck from all of us here at JM in the AM, and the Sarachek tournament continues to be an amazing unified effort that brings in 20 schools from different parts of North America to converge on Yeshiva University for this amazing weekend. I actually am blogging about it. Hopefully by the time the uh, final is played, uh, my blog will already be posted. Um, blogging about the uh, amazing uh, observations that one can make when sitting in Yeshiva University's Max Stern Athletic Center and watching all these teams go head-to-head from different parts of the country. Really nice. JM in the AM as we continue. This comes from Shlomo Katz. Hey, God, in 
Shlomo Katzim is live in Melbourne, CD. Pretty amazing. Friday morning broadcast on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Tazria and Erev Shabbos HaChodesh. Two Torahs tomorrow, everybody. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh uh, Nisan will be on uh, Tuesday. Candle lighting at 6.57. Some synagogues might begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Please keep in mind Karen Root Batgitel for Rafur Shlema. Karen Root Batgitel for Rafur Shlema, and your help with that is greatly appreciated. Well, we've mentioned that our friends of Manhattan Day School are getting ready for, for the uh, big Rashi play being presented by the uh, third grade later today. So dedicated to the third graders at Manhattan Day School, here is Schlockrock at JM in the AM. Schlockrock, dedicating it to the third graders up at Manhattan Day School who have been waiting a while for this big day. Hey, want to wish a mazel tov to a ZK and the entire Coppell and Goldenberg families. Uh, Frimi and ZK, a uh, brand new baby boy this morning. We say mazel tov from all of us here 
at JM in the AM. Hey, a, uh, an amazing programming note here at JM in the AM. This coming Tuesday on Rosh Chodesh morning, we are going to welcome into our studio one of the absolute legends, uh, one of the uh, most incredible figures in the history of Jewish music, um, in some ways the icon of Hasidic music. Ben Sion Schenker is visiting our radio station this coming Tuesday morning, Rosh Chodesh at JMDM. He has a brand new CD out. He is um, going to be here live in person, which means we'll take your phone calls and and converse with him about his amazing and legendary career. Ben Sion Schenker, the Hasidic composing icon, will be in our uh, studio this coming Tuesday right here at JM in the AM. And boy, we're looking forward to it. Uh, Malcolm Holmline will join us coming up. We'll do the weekly update at about 7.40 or by Yudin with the Torah portion coming up at 8.15. A full day on the stream at jmtheam.org starting with Naomi Nachman who has an incredible list of guests for today. She's going to be speaking with some uh, really amazing people, I must say. Including Susie Fishbein, the amazing chef. She'll be with Naomi during the show. Um including uh, Rabbi Moshe Elephant, Chief Operating Officer of the Orthodox Union. They'll discuss quinoa, new items for Pesach, and the OU hotline. And uh, she'll also have Michelle Conrad on from Pesach and Lake George, where Naomi's going to be. And this is all happening between 9 and 10 this morning on our stream at jmandtheam.org. Starting at 10, an amazing music mix, 10 a.m. until candlelighting time, with a big thank you to our friends at Kedem. That's happening today, starting at 10 a.m. on our stream at jmandtheam.org. Make sure you're tuned in. Um, later this morning, about one hour from now, Ellie Gerstner is joining us live by a telephone here at JM the AM. And here is what he has provided in terms of information about this discussion uh, on social media. There is apparently a brand new Yeshiva Boys Choir album a brand new single and a brand new music video, plus, of course, conversation about what's happening Pesach with YBC. So about 8.40 Eastern time this morning, Ellie Gerstner will join us for that entire update coming up here at JM in the AM. Brand new from Arye Kunstler, a single that he introduced to us when we did our pre-Purim celebration at Cedar Market in Teaneck, New Jersey. Arye Kunstler at JM in the AM.
Mordechai Ben David and Company on a CD entitled A Shabbos with the Werdigers with Curry Bone. Arye Kunstler with Yehi Chavod before that song he introduced to us uh, at our pre Purim celebration. Happy birthday to Milt Feldman. Tomorrow, our good friend Milt Feldman, who's been listening to this show forever, is celebrating a milestone birthday. Happy birthday, Milt, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Fremi and Zalman Kopel get a mazel tov for a brand new baby boy. That's right, ZK is a papa again. Brand new baby boy as of uh, very early this morning. We say mazel tov to them from all of us here at JM in the AM. A reminder, the legendary Ben-Sion Schenker is going to spend Rosh Chodesh with us this coming Tuesday. The Hasidic composing legend, Ben-Sion Schenker, is going to be in our studio this coming Tuesday morning at JM in the AM. And we are very much looking forward to it. It should be a very, very festive and interesting Rosh Chodesh morning. We'll include your phone calls. A rare chance for everybody to speak to Ben-Sion Schenker, no matter where you are around the world, as he visits JM in the AM this coming Tuesday morning. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend to their readers our incredible live stream at jmnam.org. If you want the thousands of incredible articles to print out before Shabbos, news and commentary about this world of ours, go to JewishWorldReview.com. Want to take this opportunity and wish a mazel tov last night. Daniela Honline and Tzvi Moskowitz were married down in Baltimore, Maryland. And among the people in attendance was uh, Daniela's uh, grandfather. Her grandfather is Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. And this morning we say both good morning and mazel tov, Mr. Honline. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, thank you on both counts. We had an amazing simcha last night in Baltimore, and uh, it's a... Uh new landmark it's my first grandchild to get married and uh, gives you a lot to think about it's funny because it's, i was thinking about this this morning in advance of our conversation you are one who always thank god focuses on jewish continuity thinks a lot about the jewish future it's something that we spoke about in the aftermath of the incredible dinner uh, that the conference had back in october when your uh, children and grandchildren were on stage with you, so last night must have had thousands of thoughts going through your mind all the time, and it, it really is the essence of Judaism. Human beings are the only species that relates to a third generation. Many animals relate to their children, but none to the third generation, to their grandchildren. Only human beings, and in Judaism, we put tremendous emphasis on it because it symbolizes continuity. And if you don't recognize your responsibility to your grandparents for where you are and your grandchildren for where they will be and how it continues what you believe, the values, the concerns, the Messiah that you hold dear, then you miss the point. This is, this is really the essence of it. And Hirsch said that, that no generation is judged in its time, not even by its children, but by its grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Because that's when you see really come to fruition the decisions you make and the actions you take. Wow. Well, like I say, for you, there was a lot to think about last night, and we appreciate you sharing that with us, and a big mazel tov to the Honline and Moskowitz families from all of us at JM in the AM. Malcolm, we have heard this before, and we've discussed it before, but for some reason it seems more serious now that Jonathan Pollard could seriously be included in some type 
of convoluted prisoner exchange. I don't even know if that's the right word uh, with Israel, the U.S., the PA, etc. Is it in fact more realistic this time around? I don't see any sign that that really is in the cards right now. I, I do believe, and I've said for years on the show, that I think the way he will get released will be as part of a deal because of the opposition that still continues irrationally, but continues. And uh, But I, I don't know that this is the deal that will do it. Now, from what you know, he would be opposed to being included in that type of deal, right? In principle, yes. But I think uh, right now, anything that could get him out should be uh, pursued. And why is this the fourth of the recent prisoner releases that Israel has considered? And, of course, the first three cases carried out. Why is this one the one that there's so much wrangling over? Well, for several reasons. One, because the Palestinians have done nothing in response to the first three releases except to raise the demands, continue to threaten and just pocket everything that Israel does. It's not as if there is some recognition or some, you know, quid pro quo. It's it's always that Israel gives and the Palestinians take. And I think a lot of people in the cabinet uh, will object to an, to another release right now. And it's, uh, for a second reason in a minute. But the the feeling that you know he that Abbas keeps threatening now to go to the UN to go on a unilateral. Uh, mission again to to get recognition as he did in the past which i think you know is is uh, uh, an asset that he is wearing out quickly but the the second reason is because of the quality of the people involved meaning negative quality mm-hmm. that they are people with um, even more blood on their hands the others had blood on their hands these guys have even more are uh, we've seen the recidivism of those who were released earlier already that many have been arrested or been involved, some have been involved again in terrorist activities. And they say that there's some point where, where we have to have some accountability. So I believe if, in fact, the Palestinians agreed to this nine-month extension, and I'm not sure we're going to see a framework agreement. <clears throat> I've said it before. I don't think that they're in a position to put it on paper and, and present something. Uh, Netanyahu has actually accepted it and said, look, we'll, we'll just express our reservations. Each side will get the document, and each side will express its reservation, as they did with the roadmap, as they did in the past. The Palestinians don't even want to seem to, to be ready to, to do that, to, to accept any kind of framework. And they accused uh, Kerry of being too one-sided, pro-Israel, etc. Is there so, an official release date, by the way, on the table? Like, is there an official date that's already been discussed that this would happen, or...? The extension it yeah, no, would for, be for nine months, but the talks are due in the next week. That's no, the meaning, end of it. Yeah, meaning back to the fourth prisoner release. Is that is there a date on the table for it? Well, it's, yes, it's supposed to be now. It's supposed to be by the end of this period. So what do we call it right now? It's basically suspended at this point until things are worked out? I, I don't know that it's formally suspended because the government hasn't said so. It's been reports that have come out, including this morning, uh, that the, the Palestinians are saying that the Israelis are not doing the Israelis haven't said it, but as you know that uh, many people in the cabinet, some have even threatened to resign, but certainly many have objected. Right. So if it does happen, will there be, I know there's always turmoil in the Israeli government, but you know what I mean. If it does happen, will there really be additional turmoil in government? Will people resign? Will there be threats? There certainly will be threats. I think that there will be strong objections. Uh, I don't think it topples the government. Uh, I do think that uh, some people will 
will certainly grandstand on it and, and express legitimate concerns about what, what this really means. Aren't you glad that finally there's some there's a voice that's being raised? There's a there's, there's a little bit of moxie on the other side finally when it comes to opposition for these prisoner releases. I'm glad that people at least emphasize that this shouldn't be taken for granted. Many people look at this already, you know, after the first group, the second group, the third group, they say, okay, this is routine. This is, uh, you know, Israel, does, it's not seen as Israel making a significant uh, gesture or, or what the true significance of the release of people who have blood on their hands, who killed Jews, Israelis, who, who killed children. And I think it's important that people understand what, what the real context is and what the significance is, that this is not something you just dismiss uh, out of hand. Right. Unfortunately, it, does, it is the common uh, approach to this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all kidding aside, because there, I mean, there's a lot of kidding going on about the way the United States is handling the Russia-Ukraine situation, but... It, it, and, and you know I have no political science background. Obviously, yours is, is what we would consider to be experts, so you can shed some light on this. What is the U.S.'s role right now when it comes to Russia and the Ukraine? It, we discussed last week how their threats, their sanctions, it seems, are not being taken seriously, right? Vladimir Putin is not really backing down because of what's coming out of Washington. So right now, how do you classify the U.S.'s role in what Russia's doing? Is that a tough question? <laughs> because to characterize the U.S. role means to analyze and to take into it into account within the total context of Americans' approach to foreign policy and um, and also the Europeans. But the Europeans keep saying they're looking to American leadership. What were the options? Is one question you have to ask. Were we really prepared for a military confrontation over the Crimea? Should we have sent ships into the Black Sea? Could we have? Backed him off from formalizing this. I think on the latter part, yes. The the decision to allow this to stand, the decision to allow Georgia, the two segments of Abkhazia, uh, and uh, to to be held by uh, Russia, the decision in Syria, all feed the perception, and all feed the bolstering of the uh, belief by. People like China in the Red Sea, like North in the in the Chinese Sea, the North Koreans to fire missiles because they perceive that the West's response is going to be weak. The in, initial response of those eleven people being sanctioned was laughed off. Right. Many of them didn't have even have business here. Others do. It is not because these sanctions are not going to hurt Russia, and it's not Russia is not a great power today anymore. Its military is significant. And, and, but the willingness on, on part of Putin to challenge and the backing off of everybody, which certainly brings up historical precedents and antecedents that people raise all the time. So it's the question of perception. It's not even a question of, of, of what we are thinking or what we say. It's how they perceive it. And the message today is that they perceive it as weakness. And we, people are looking now, will he move into Moldova? Will he move into eastern Ukraine? The very thought that this could... These possibilities could be raised means that people understand that our response is encouraging people to be adventurers. Yeah, you had emphasized this last week, and it certainly bears repeating. And now this week, and you know, again, certain folks, including myself, have trouble keeping track of all the meetings and groups 
Russia was disinvited to what this week, where the President of the United States was addressing? Well, the, the, the Russians, there's a number of levels of, of things that are taking place. These disinvited invitations are not significant. Even the G8, it, that is more significant. But Russia doesn't care, essentially? But Russia, to, to agree, Putin believes that, you know, they'll make these gestures. It, it is not directly impacting uh, them. And for him, these, these things are more important. He has now reasserted himself at home. He has gotten the Russian people who are suffering terribly uh, under the current economic conditions. Everybody is focused today on what, it, what Russia is doing, and it's at a, gr- a significant cost. But he has clear ideas of what he wants to do. He, I, and I think several years ago we already talked about the fact that Russia, that Putin has designs to reestablish the former Soviet Union, right. the, or at least uh, establish uh, the sphere of influence again. And, and how did we know? Because the leaders of these countries were telling us this years ago. This is not something that just happened, ha- happened today. I mean, it's the same thing with Iran, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you see how the Saudis put down these markers because they see the same parallel situation happening there. Right. So, so just bear with me for a second. So when I'm sitting at home watching the news and I hear that Russia's tossed out of a G8 meeting, in Moscow they really don't care? To us it sounds so dramatic. It sounds right, exactly, and and their admission to the G8, which wasn't that long ago, it was before the G7, um, was seen as significant. It meant that their economy was being recognized, and they were putting into, put into this uh, grouping, and so their removal has symbolic significance, but it is it is not the kind of action that is going to shake up the situation and and put down the markers as much as it, as some sort of an action that really hits home and means they have to sanction a lot more than the people who have been till today right. and much tougher sanctions against the government. And, and I think that many of the countries in Europe are unwilling to do it. Why aren't we sanctioning them for sell, selling arms today right. to Iran, mm-hmm. to Syria, to supplying you know weapons and including nuclear reactors? Right, and you explained to us there would be no EU support for that. I mean, that, that could be a factor, right? Of, well, there would be some EU support. No, they too. They all say we're well, what we're looking right. for leadership from the United States. And this this military buildup on the border with the Ukraine—that's simply because they wouldn't be able to hold on to Crimea without all those troops in there. They had controlled Crimea before because they had the troops there. Even without the buildup, or there was one at that point. Well, they always had. The Russians always had a huge number. Had a control of their bases. They had their naval bases were there. They had a large number of troops. I did not realize that the Ukraine pulled out 25,000 troops at the end, uh, which means that they had, that's a significant a number based in Crimea, mm. uh, and more than 300 bases, uh, which I don't understand. But It just looks far from Russia when you look at the map. <laughs> yeah, but it is, uh, you know, Odessa certainly and places like that that people know help bring it closer, make people realize the connection. Right. And, you know, the, the overwhelming number of people there who have Russian cultural identities or linguistic uh, they use the Russian language or social associations. Uh, Malcolm Honline is with us, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. So, Bin Laden's son in law is uh, convicted this week, right? Right. I mean, it's 13 years later. This was a 9 11 crime, correct? Right, and post 9 11 and his associations with the 
terrorism. If I would have told you 13 years ago, this would have taken 13 years. You probably wouldn't have believed that, right? That's, that's for sure. It, it's amazing to me. And um, in Egypt, we see that 529 members of the Muslim Brotherhood were sentenced to death. Right. Now, these are people who were among or associated with Egyptian leadership a year or so ago. With Morsi. Yeah. Yes. And they will not carry out these executions. Ah, that's what I want. Because I, I was thinking that that, that, that that could be a real game changer. Just, it is a game changer. And now there, there are altogether, I think, 919 people they are, but they are, their convictions are being reviewed or their sentences are being reviewed. My bet would be that uh, you will not see, uh, there are, have been executions, by the way, in, in Egypt, but nothing on the scale of, for instance, I- I- Iran uh, and other countries in the Middle East today. But the, I think the Egyptian uh, government will, the new government, and there will be an election. Yeah, when is that? What month? The election is due, I think, in June. And LCC will win it or not? Oh, yes, absolutely. So that's it. It's a, we, know, we already know the future of Egypt politically. We know the future of Egypt politically, but the question is, will they handle it intelligently? Will they? Doing things like this is not intelligent to sentence 500 people to death because you just rouse the international community's concerns. Well, wait, I mean, are, are there Muslim Brotherhood um, protests and rallies and then... And, uh, you know, bedlam going on in certain cities in Egypt? I would, I would think there have to be after a decision like that. There no? have been, but don't forget they have really crushed the, and, and, and isolated the Muslim Brotherhood. There have been demonstrations, but not just by, by uh, Muslim Brotherhood, by others against it. But the, uh, the um, you know, the, in, in Egypt today, it's not, the Muslim Brotherhood is much more hesitant to, to make its voice heard. Right. Um, an emailer points this out, and I mentioned it to you last week, but I'm going to ask you again um, uh, on, on the issue, just back for a second to the prisoner release. The United Nations would step in or would not when it comes to this issue of pressuring Israel for this uh, last prisoner release? No, this is not a, a U.N. matter. Could they, they, the Palestinians go to the Security Council would not be over the release. It would be to gain recognition. And, and more likely go to General Assembly and to specialized agencies. But the agencies are very reluctant because it means the cutoff of U.S. funding. And, and the Palestinians also could face a cutoff of U.S. funding at a time when they obviously need it. So this is, uh, it's not cost-free for them to move ahead in this way. So it's not just a humanitarian protest. There's money involved. <laughs> they, they know that they, there, there has to, that, what is it? They need, they, need, they need both sides to comply and reach an agreement to get all the money that they're owed, to get the, the money that's due to them? To the Palestinians? Yeah. Well, it's not due to them. It's money that we allocate as a gift to them based on uh, you know, uh, grants and aid from Europe and from the United States. Ours goes to projects. Theirs goes to, to whatever. But certainly most of it ends up in Abbas's family's pocket. Right. But it, but, and they wouldn't get it if I'm, – I'm missing the point regarding the release. They wouldn't get it if what? They wouldn't get the money. The the great if the if Abbas walks off from the talk. Ah, so uh-huh. he, he, American aid will, will certainly be negative. Members of Congress, so I think, are chomping at the bit to to send a message. Right. And, so he's you know, got and some. Look, and he's he's still refusing now, not only on the right of return and not only on the declaration of Jewish state, but also to say that it's an end of conflict, which is so fundamental. So many members of Congress are saying, "Look at this. He's moving exactly in the." wrong direction 
and we see the in the West Bank and the camps there, and you then Shomron some of the the increase the security needs and the the uh, growth of of Hamas influence, and uh, you know Israel Israeli troops have been going in almost every night and arresting uh, wanted Hamas guys, which of course the PA loves that Israel does the dirty work for them, but they're not doing it, and the the um, you know we're seeing more rejectionism on their part from uh, on many fronts. Why are many in Israel so glad that Richard Falk is leaving the United Nations? Yeah, but unfortunately he's still he's still going to be functioning. And the person who's named to to replace him is Nomitsia Christine Chinkin, is one of the co-authors of the Goldstone Report. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, so we're going, you know, from... But Falk is uniquely evil and uh, anti-Semitic, I would say, by most accounts. And, and that's a term you don't generally throw around. Oh, no. Right, and if someone who helped author the Goldstone Report is taking over, I think you'd be able to say as well from the tone of we that report. more of the same. Right, that, they, that they're also very proud. Pre- was supposed to be a neutral observer, but Falk, uh, you saw that Samantha Power, the American ambassador to the UN, talked about him in the most uh, extreme terms that I ever certainly recall in many years. Oh, I saw statements from Israel. I didn't even see statements in the U.S. on that. Oh, no, she was amazing and said that, uh, you know, dismissed his, his uh, leaving and said that it was sort of good riddance to bad rubbish uh, uh, line. Wow. Uh, did I read or not that Erdogan is visiting Israel? Erdogan is not visiting Israel. He's not visiting There is talk that within the next few weeks we will see, but we again, we've seen this many times, but in the next few weeks we will see the signing of some sort of uh, Israeli-Turkish agreement again. What is that, like a trade agreement? Well, it would certainly try to put things back on a keel. The trade has been going on unabated all this time, and there's, you know, in fact, has increased steadily. And there's also now this Turkish-Israel uh, gas pipeline. Some ten companies have already bid on it, and for Turkey, this is very critical. So maybe the the uh, economic uh, realities will trump his political extremism and get them to come back to to some sort of a cold group. He's with Israel. What do you think of uh, the report this week that yet another prominent member of Israeli government might be involved in a scandal? It's getting tiring, frankly, and uh, and we'll have a government of ex- in exile inside <laughs> the prisons. But the you know people love to hear these reports and to get into the details, which are often really disturbing. But this is a former prime minister. Somebody was still very active. Uh, I think the impact on on the people they dealt with, the impact on on Israel's image, along with this strike of the foreign ministry, is uh, you know these things really do hurt. Yeah, I, I people have to realize. You didn't mean to say former prime minister, did you? He is a former prime minister. Meaning Olmert? Yes. Oh, I was I, I was referring to the Sylvan Shalom rumors that. No, but that 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 so far I think that's been dismissed and no, there's been no evidence to corroborate the charge. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, but Olmert's charges right. are very serious, and now that his former assistant turned state's evidence and even supposedly has tapes, I think it's in a new phase. Right, and I'm always curious if the Israeli people care about this, but I guess the media is going to keep it alive there. No, they care. I think they do care. Ultimately, you know, again. 
it's uh, you know it's tabloid headlines that everybody loves to see, but the the, the impact on Israel's image is, is real in a time when the legitimization campaign goes on. You know, saw the vote at University of Michigan, twenty-five to nine. They they defeated a resolution on divestment, but in Loyola College in Chicago, they passed it. These are students, not the universities will not implement them, et cetera. But you know, at a time when Israel is under siege and its image, we need all the diplomats working, and and we got to Israel. He's got to think about how what may be seen as an internal issue really plays today. There's nothing internal how it plays on the international scene. Right. There's nothing. And they've internal. had good news. You know, the Israeli unemployment went down to 4.9 percent in February, which is a record low. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, uh, and you know, those stories get shunted aside because everybody's focusing on all these scandals. You mentioned the universities a moment ago. If I, if, if I could ask, uh, I would assume, and you tell me I'm wrong and I hope I'm wrong, I would assume you don't hear enough from campus representatives around the country because there are so many that seem to be isolated and alone, and obviously the Jewish population on some campuses is you know close to nothing in certain areas of the country, and uh, and and they uh, they they are left to fight the battle themselves. But you don't hear enough from uh, student leaders around the country on these issues, right? You're raising some very important points. One is that we we, we hear from the major campuses when we had the problems at the University of Michigan, when we had problems in continuing problems at UCLA, including some assaults on students and harassment of pro-Israel students at, the, at the different universities. So those, we tend to get the reports about them when we have a strong Jewish presence. But there are many places, and increasingly Jewish students seem to be intimidated. They don't have the confidence, both based on their own knowledge and to stand up and defend themselves, and because of the climate of hostility that develops and has developed. So this is why, for all these years, we've been pushing people to pay attention to the BDS movement, to the global delegitimization movement, because it really does take hold. It's much bigger in Europe. But we're seeing those tentacles now extending to the United States. We're on our campuses and in other sectors. People, and the people who talk about boycotts, people talk about divestment campaigns, you know, uh, they're getting defeated in most places. And where we know about it, we can react. And we have the Lawfare Project that is, provides legal assistance to students right. who are facing these kind of problems. But most people aren't aware of it, but if they would ask their children or grandchildren, those who have kids studying in colleges around the country, find out what's really happening. Uh, and when you speak about assaults, we could also mention the physical assaults. You've seen, I'm sure, some of the pictures of uh, the, one of the assaults in France against a, a Jewish person. It seems like there's pages of articles about different attacks that are going on. I mean, do, do French police and officials... Uh, take these seriously? We know what would happen here in the U.S. if there was a quote-unquote hate crime. What happens there in a country like France? Well, remember Halimi, the young boy who was tortured to death. And right. So it's, this is not just uh, minor incidents. The, the attack against this teacher who was walking with a yarmulke in the streets of Paris. He was slammed against the wall. He was beaten with a brick in the face. His teeth and uh, nose was broken, etc. Um these are very serious, but the fact is that in most of Paris and in, in, in many other places, you can't walk with a yarmulke in Berlin. The chief rabbis warn about people not walking with any visible Jewish symbol. I mean, it, it is unacceptable. That that should not be the response to it. I, I agree that that is the right thing to do, but it's, it shouldn't be the appropriate response that... that that 70 years after the Shoah, we're back to these circumstances where Israel gets labeled and Israel as the corporate Jew 
but now you see it against individual Jews, which is exactly what we said all this time uh, would be happening. But when it comes to this area, in terms of the comparison of the U.S. and France, for instance, the standards there are nowhere near ours, right? They're, they're, even the, uh, I mean, I, I know the attitude is certainly different, but even the official laws on the books are not like they are here in this country, correct? Well, actually, they're stronger. Are they stronger? Because they have libel laws. We don't have the same kind of laws that, that exist in, in most countries. For instance, uh, you can't produce Holocaust literature. Much of the Holocaust literature in those countries comes from the United States, from Nebraska and places like that. Uh, now, unfortunately, they're, they're becoming more uh, local. But you saw even in Brooklyn, these kids who, who made a, uh, a semi-swastika or something and painted them all over Brooklyn and uh, said, well, it's a new symbol, it's unity, it's this, it's that, until they, the press start pressing them. And, of course, they understood what the significance, and they wanted to shock, or they wanted to do anything. But there's no. The, when, when in France you have the comedian to the end came up with the canal that, and sports figures and others were making these uh, revised Nazi salutes, and people can't dismiss it. Each of these things are important because it keeps lowering the level, it erodes the resistance to these things, and they can say, well, and, and, and a leader of the French Jewish community at first said, well, it's not so significant, you know, the canal. And then they saw what was happening. He had to come out and reverse his position. And, the, you know, we have many manifestations. If Jimmy Carter could come out against the BDS movement, and he said the boycott goes too far, he said, you know, they should label West Bank products and people can decide. <laughs> but even Jimmy Carter has come out recognizing that this is a, a very bad thing and the implications could be very serious. What did you think when you heard the President of the United States allude to uh, a nuclear bomb going off in New York. Yeah, there are people who are saying that this makes New York a good target, but the New York is always a target. And uh, I mean, people. You know, I some people called it an ir- the nuclear threat. Uh, some people called it an irresponsible statement. Would you classify it that way? I, I know that there are many who have said it, and people talk about it, but, you know, leaders have to be careful because the words, certainly the words of the President of the United States carry tremendous weight, and uh, you have to be very careful what you say and how you say it. And someone pointed out something yesterday that's a little far-fetched, but, you know, you, you mentioned the uh, the precarious situation. You know, sometimes it doesn't seem that way, the way we're living in the lap of luxury, but the precarious situation for Jews in France and other areas, and like you just mentioned, even in Brooklyn, New York, there's certain attacks that take place. And again, I know we've been going back to the story of Purim a lot, but if we learned anything, it's that stuff changes very, very quickly. And that was not in a technological era where stuff really changes very, very quickly. So to, to stand on guard or be on guard is uh, are words that are more meaningful today than ever before. Right. And, and, and read this stuff from the trial that you mentioned before of, uh, of the people, the Muhammad Yusuf and, and these others. You know, but his, his real name is uh, uh, Jose Pinamente. So that should also warn us. But the, <laughs> the, um, uh, the extent of these activities and the, you know, what we saw with the ASA, the American Studies Association, is being replicated with many other groups that are introducing these resolutions. And each year it has an erosionary effect on the opposition to it. And the fact that on students on campuses, and, and, and we're facing another set of, it's, it's, which is, I believe is directly related, which is something we've talked about and I've tried to get governments for the last two years to pay attention, and that is the thousands and thousands of guys who are fighting today in Syria who carry European and American passports who are going to come home 
you know, MI5, which is the British Security Services, half of their investigations today, fully half, have to do with Brits who traveled to Syria to fight. And they've already had an attack that they prevented, and there have been a number of arrests uh, of those connected to this who have been involved in recruiting and involved in actual fighting. But you're you're going to have thousands and thousands of people coming back. And these are not going to be any more hypothetical dangers. These are guys who killed, yep. who've been fighting there, and they're coming back to all of our countries. Finally, Malcolm, we opened up with the Ukraine and the G8 and uh, the drama of Russia being thrown out of the meeting and all this other stuff. Uh, plus, of course, so many eyes around the world, rightfully so, are concerned about the Malaysian jet, which is still missing, and we talk about the attention that the Ukraine and other areas are getting. While, while all this is happening, you know that Iran continues to do whatever they want to do. And it's, this is not only a comment about the perception of the U.S. and, and possibly its lack of leadership or uh, a lack of nerve when it comes to the international scene right now, but it's also just a practical issue that there's a lot of a lot of things going on out there, as you always point out to us. Is there an update this week regarding Iran and its activities? I will tell you what what is very instructive um, about this. Look at what the Saudis are saying, how the president you know, is visiting Saudi Arabia, getting a very cold visit, I think. But Look at the arguments that um, that are going to place. Look, the Saudi relationship with the United States is too important to both sides. So while it can be under tremendous threat, but what what is really undermining it is that the the failure, as perceived by the Saudis, to stand up to Iran, which they see as moving to encircle them. And what does it mean? The the, the Al Quds forces and the IRGC active in Bahrain. In Iraq, where they're trying to dominate, and increasingly we're seeing Sunni reaction to the fact that, that Iran is taking over the government there. Syria, where Iran is not only involved as the main supplier, etc., Lebanon, Yemen, and in their own eastern province, in, in, uh, where in the uh, Shadid, where, where the main oil supplies are, and we have a large uh, Shiite population. So they're seeing this whole Iranian effort encircling them, but it's not. But also to shift the whole balance to create the Shiite crescent to to dominate and to isolate the others to force their agenda uh, uh, on, on others and to to specifically undermine Saudi Arabia, the Gulf, uh, Bahrain because of the wealth and what uh, they can get out of it, and the failure to see that the West stand up to them. And what they see, you know, the, the Egyptian military government is coming under such uh, pressure and that the feeling is that the West ignores them and, and puts more pressure on them. The Saudis are funding this uh, Egyptian purchase from, from Russia of the weapons because it's a frustration in saying, look, the United States is walking away. We stopped the sale of some helicopters, which they need in the battle in the Sinai. And, and all of these things have a cumulative effect. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is not to exculpate Saudi Arabia, which, you know, refused to allow uh, a Jerusalem Post reporter, an American citizen, to come with the president. Huh. I thought the reaction afterwards was strong by the president, by the administration, but too weak. They should not have gone. They should have said, if he can't come, we're not coming. And, you know, they did issue a statement saying it's abhorrent and they, they don't agree, and the, but also saying he doesn't hold Israeli citizenship and never lived in the Jewish state. So what? That's not the reason why, he should, why they should have objected is whether he, if he held, as long as he's an American citizen who, who was supposed to go with the president, 
and you, the thing you just put the marker down and say you let him in or we're leaving. It was just a convenient excuse. That's all. And the the you know these kind of things can't be allowed to go unchallenged. By the way, they're changing the time in Israel for those who have relatives. No, 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 no. They changed it last, last night. night. Yeah. So people. You said oh, changing. Oh, I meant changing. But they already well, changed. Well, the process, you know, until everybody gets to their watches, <laughs> they're still changing. Yeah, we're back to a seven-hour difference between the Eastern Time Zone people and the Holy Land. People should know if they call uh, Mishpachas yeah. before Shabbos to know that it's seven hours difference this time. Boy, you cover all the bases, don't you? You're even well, concerned about those who are placing phone calls today. Well, phone calls applies to me doing business there, but... Uh, well, sounds yeah. like you're anxious to get off this call to start making your Israel calls. That's what it sounds Not like to me. Not anxious at all. <laughs> By the way, you saw that the Christians, there was a Christian rally in Israel, got no coverage, but against the EU silence on the on, on what's happening to Christians in the Middle East. And it's a couple hundred people gathered. They went in front of the EU delegation in Tel Aviv. They thanked Israel for the treatment that they get and for the hospitality that is shown to, to Christians there yep. and the rights that they enjoy, you know, which you know for sure is not going to well. uh, change. By the way, another interesting symbol this week, that many of the stores in Damascus, which have been flying a banner which was pre-Assad, have now painted their gates with the Syrian flag. That tells you where what direction things are taking uh, what direction things are moving there. And yet he doesn't leave the office. <laughs> <laughs> well, he leaves, but nobody knows when and where. I'm not sure he knows when and where. But the, uh, but I, I thought that was, you know, you have to look at these things to get a sense of how the people perceive the shift that's taking place now. Who's uh, winning? Hey, Malcolm, uh, too many uh, Jewish news outlets ignored a great celebration this past Sunday, so join me in wishing a mazel tov to the record number of musmachim up at Yeshiva University uh, who graduated REITs officially this past Sunday. We wish them a mazel tov. It's, it's really quite amazing. Why you, you People can have differences with it, but nobody can deny the important role it has played, and it produces more rabbis than all the other institutions put together, and the other streams and the other institutions. And... You know, when it comes to something, if there's a negative report about their credit rating or something, the media is all over it. When it comes to telling the truth about what an immense contribution they make, they don't. Right. And Richard Joel and others who are the board, they, they try so hard. They're trying to rectify the situation and they should get the support because the role that, that YU plays is really critical. There's no other institution that will replace it. And you see the, if you go there and you see what's happening there, it's so impressive. I spoke for, for a class, an honors class there, of the people of the Smicha program. And really such quality and such devotion and such really serious students was very impressive. Boy, am I glad I brought it up. Mazal tov again to Daniela and Svi. Enjoy Shabbos Sheva Brachas. We will, and thank you, and thank everybody for the good wishes. And we want them all. We need them. We need that many more Simchos in the Jewish people. Amen. we got to learn how to celebrate, as you always remind us. Mazal tov to the Honline and Moskowitz families. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We call it the weekly update on Friday mornings here at JM in the AM. And Tuesday is Rosh Chodesh. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Tuesday is Rosh Chodesh Nisan. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Tazria and Erev Shabbos HaChodesh. Candle lighting at 657. Mazel tov to Frimi and Zalman Kopel. ZK is a father for the third time, Baruch Hashem. Brand new baby boy, born very early this morning. We say Mazal Tov 
from all of us here at JM and the AM. I want to remind everybody that the great Ben Sion Schenker will be in our studio Rosh Chodesh morning this coming Tuesday. We are looking forward to welcoming the icon of amazing Hasidic composing this coming uh, Tuesday morning at JM and the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. Ellie Gerstner, 15 minutes from now, with some updates regarding Yeshiva Boys and more. That will be happening here at about 8.40 this morning before we wrap up the week at JM and the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Tazria. Parshas Tazria, according to the Chinuch, contains seven mitzvos. It has five positive and two negative mitzvos, and in addition, this Shabbos is the last of the four special Shabbatot, parshios, that we have spanning from Adar till Nisan. This is Parshas HaChodesh that we read from the second Sefer Torah, coming from the beginning of chapter 12 in the book of Shmos, which has many of the halachos of Pesach, both Mitzrayim, the first Pesach that we celebrated as a people in Egypt, and those laws which were unique to it, as well as many of the halachos of Pesach Doros that apply and still apply throughout the generations. Parshas Tazria deals primarily with Tum'ah and Tahara the laws of purity and impurity, be it the laws of impurity that set in with childbirth, the korbanos, the offerings that a woman has to bring, and please God, will bring in the future, when we have the third base Amigdash for each of the children that she was privileged to have, and the bulk of Parshas Tazria deals with the laws of Tzora'as, which is translated in English as leprosy, but it's not your typical textbook leprosy. It's rather, as the Ramban tells us, a demonstration of God's personal divine intervention, Hashkocha Pratis, that he has with the Jewish people, specifically and only in the land of Israel, to the laws of Tzora'as apply. I'd like to focus on the opening Rashi of Parshas Tazria. Rashi begins by telling us, Amar Rab Simlo'i. Rab Simlo'i taught, Kishem shi'etzi roso shal odom, achar kobehemo chayo ve'ov, just as the creation of man, as found in chapter 1 of the book of Bereshis. In that chapter, man is created after all the domestic animals, wild animals, and birds. He is last. Kach, similarly, Toroso, the laws that govern man, Nisparsha, are explained in our Torah, Achar, after the laws of Behemoth Chayo after the laws of 
the animals, which we had in last week's parsha of Shmini, which animals are kosher and which animals are not. And Rashi cites the teaching of Rav Simloi from Vayikra Rabbah, chapter 14. The obvious question is, what is Rav Simloi adding that you and I couldn't figure out on our own? We look at chapter 1 of Voracious, and we see that the animals are created first. We look at chapter 11 in Vayikra, and we see that the laws of the animals are presented first. What is Rav Simloi teaching? I saw a very sharp explanation by the Be'er Yosef, Rav Yosef Salant, Zechat Tzadik Levracha. And he says that Rav Simloi is addressing a very fascinating question. And that is as follows. If you look at last week's parsha, the Torah clearly delineates which animals are what we call kosher and which animals are not. The Torah gives the identifying symbols and those animals which are kosher are kosher and pure from their birth till their death. They don't change. Those animals which are not kosher are similarly not kosher all their life. Why is it that man is the only creature that can vacillate from Tum'ah to Tahara, impurity to purity, and from purity to impurity, from Tahara to Tum'ah. Why is this the uniqueness of man? And he suggests, quoting from the Zohar, quoting from Chaim Velazhenov, in his Nefesh HaChayim, in Sha'ar Aleph, Perik Vav, a very interesting insight. And that is as follows. When God says in chapter 1, after the animals are created, and He's about to create the last creation, namely man, the Torah says, Na'aseh Adam, let us make man. Now what does that mean, let us? Certainly, it's only and specifically God who has done the creation, as the Torah tells you in the very next verse, that God Himself, only He Himself, created man. What is this na'aseh, let us? And the Zohar and the Nefesh HaChayim explain it in the following insightful way that now that God created all the different animals, each with their own unique character traits, God said, Na'aseh Adam, let us now take all these characteristics and we will incorporate all of them in man. So, for example, as we find in the end of the fifth chapter of Pirkei Avos, Yehuda ben Tema teaches, have the Az Kanomer, be as bold as a leopard, and Kal Kanesher, light as an eagle, Ratz Katzvi, swift as a deer, 
Gibor Ka'ari, and strong as a lion to carry out the will of your Father in Heaven. Now note you have different characteristics. What the rabbis are teaching us is that these and all other characteristics, some coming from the kosher animals, some coming from the non-kosher animals, were all taken by God and given to man. Yes, some men have more of this trait, others have more of a different trait. We all have some traits, and each person has the trait that they need to be able to fulfill their tafkid, to be able to fulfill their purpose in this world. And therefore, explains the Ber Yosef, now we can appreciate the fact that man and only man can vacillate and go from purity to impurity because he stems from these kinds of higher forces in nature which have both purity and impurity. And therefore, depending on circumstance and situation, he goes from Tumor to Tara, Tara to Tumor, and the Torah tells us how this affecting and this change of status takes place. I believe that there is a very significant lesson or lessons that we can learn from the teaching of and the insight of the Ber Yosef. The first thing is that we should appreciate the next person. A person has to realize regarding himself, alles by enum nitobaikenum. No one's got it all. And just as that beautiful tefillah of Raveli Melech of Lizhensk, on the contrary, we place, we plead with Hashem, Tembelibenu, place in our hearts, Shenirekol Echod, Maalos Chavereinu. We should have the ability in our hearts to see only the good in our friends and not their shortcomings. The idea being to recognize, look what he's got, look what Hashem endowed him with. Look what he has that I don't have. And to have therefore greater respect for the next one and to recognize how much we need each other. How much we complement each other. What I have, he doesn't have. What he has, I don't have. And that is a very important point to begin with to create a greater sense of unity and appreciation for the next one. But... I believe, and this is brought down in the Sefer of the Chafetz Chaim al-Hatorah. The Chafetz Chaim would, in his very special way, always try to learn merit on behalf of the Aniyim, of the poor in society. And he would greatly oppose those who said that they are a burden on those that work hard. And he said the following to his son, Rebleib Zatzal. He said, the Gemara in Nida teaches us that before the individual comes into this world, they announce upstairs, this one will be wealthy, 
that one will be poor. And therefore, in accordance with this divine decree from on high, the one who is supposed to be wealthy is given this characteristic and more of this quality of zrizus, of alacrity, that he is not satisfied with what he has, always wanting more, and his ambitiousness, and his working hard, his being as Yehuda ben Tema says, as kanomer, his being bold, always looking for more opportunities, this is as we're taught in Koheles, Oev Kesef, Lo Yizba Kesef, the one who loves money, never has enough and always wants more and doesn't consider his working hard to be just that, but working hard. This is because Hashem has given him this additional amount, this characteristic of go and get it as opposed to the one that was destined on high, that he should be poor. So listen to his words. No snilo kovid be'evarov. The Chavetz Chaim says that this person is given much less of that go-getting trait, but just the opposite. He's given that dose of atzlus built into him is that certain sense, if you may, of laziness. And in Yiddish he said, Mingist im on midblai, which means literally, it's as if they've given him an injection of lead, meaning they slow him down. And therefore said the Chafetz Chaim, Tzrichim Anu Lachmol Olav, we have to have more compassion and appreciate his circumstance and help him all the more. Greater tolerance, greater patience for those who don't have is what we're being taught interestingly by this teaching of Rav Simloi. Finally, to connect this with Parshas HaChodesh. Parshas HaChodesh speaks of the new moon, the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people as a people, Rosh Chodesh, the Hizchatshos. What is the whole idea of Tuma and Tara. Tuma and Tara is literally this Hishachos. And it's another one of those ideas that we had it first. Says Rav Shimshin Rafal Hirsch. How does it work with the mikvah? What does that mean that a person immerses themselves in a mikvah? So he says so powerfully that when a person goes beneath the waters of the mikvah, they recognize and they realize that they cannot live under the water. And so when they emerge out of the mikvah, it's literally a new beginning. It's a new lease on life, literally being that quote-unquote reborn. And this is what is found in the concept of Tuma and Tara. This is how the Rambam concludes his Hilchos Mikvaos to give us some kind, though it's a Xeris HaKosov, the Torah decrees Tuma and Tara to give us this little bit of an appreciation that a person can renew and change their ways. And this is what we find with 
Parshas HaChodesh as well. As we approach the Yom Tov of Pesach, this concept of Hishadshos coming together with the ability of the Jew to purify himself gives us that very powerful lesson that just as the creation of man follows the animals because he was given a composite of all the different traits, so too does his laws follow in Pasha Sazria, reminding us that we are to take each person their potential and please God, actualize it to the fullest. Shabbat Shalom to all. Jam in the AM at 18 minutes before 9 o'clock on this Friday morning. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin. Uh, it is, in fact, there of Shabbos Tazria. And Erev Shabbos uh, HaChodesh. There you go. I knew I'd sneeze immediately, or at some point, eventually, I should say. Two Torahs tomorrow, as we uh, get ready to bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be Tuesday, and as we said, Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be a big day for us here at JM in the AM. As the great Ben Sion Schenker is going to be visiting us. On Rosh Chodesh morning, we are very much looking forward to this coming Tuesday. Make sure to be tuned in here at JM in the AM. I want to wish a mazel tov to Mr. Milt Feldman. Tomorrow he is celebrating a milestone birthday. He's been an amazing listener of ours for many, many years. Milt, happy birthday to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Well, we told you that Ellie Gerstner is going to join us. Apparently he's got some important updates regarding not just Pesach, but... Uh, the Yeshiva Boys and their activities regarding CDs, albums, over the next couple of days or weeks, whatever the situation might be. Let's find out. Ellie Gerstner, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? Good morning. <laughs> good morning to you. You're in good spirits. Were you up all night recording some songs? Yes, I was, actually, Reb Nachum. Unbelievable. This guy, he puts in all hours of day and night to make sure that his fans are very satisfied with the final product. What were you recording this morning? Okay, so um, let's 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 break it down. Yeah. Okay, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so last night first we had a cover rehearsal because we're doing a concert on Sunday for the Chazak organization. Oh, very well, nice. Not a concert. It's really the, the speakers are the are the headliners. You're doing the musical performance part. We're the musical performance exactly. Gotcha. So uh, that was that, and then right from there we drove off and um, we started with. Uh, this song that we're working on now. So I guess we could talk about that, and then we went to uh, meeting with the video, and then we worked on the poster for the show. Wow. And I got home at about 6 in the morning and with Davin, and, uh, you know. As we've discussed, that's par for the course for you. All right, tell us about the brand-new single first. I'm assuming this is coming out in advance of some new CD. Yes. So basically, we have a new album, okay? The new album is uh, Yeshiva Voice Choir breaking all this news all together in the next couple of minutes. Okay, all right. go right ahead. So not, first, the first thing that's very exciting is that we're we're, we're finally we finally finished our album. It's called Maida Ani, and we translated it. Thank you. It's uh, it's 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 the title track is actually a a, a, a ballad, uh, another song from between me and Country Yossi writing the lyrics. Nice. Like we did, we did Daddy Come Home. Right. Baruch Hashem, the the world uh, the world accepted it as they say. Um, and uh, I think it's at 1.2 million hits now, Baruch Hashem, on, 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 on YouTube. And, oh, wow. uh, 
the song just uh, wherever we go, we're able to sing it, and it's just uh, it's really an unbelievable thing. So anyway, we went back into the studio, wrote another song. Uh, he wrote unbelievable lyrics, and, and, it's, and uh, it's called. It's the first time that I ever did this, where we named the Shoe Boys Car album after an English song, after just another, not the first song on the album. Hmm. Uh, even though the first song on the album is uh, uh, one of our, you know, what, what we do, Kalim Falal, the Ahav the Shabachi, this one's called Adir. Um, and we just changed the name of the album from Adir to Maida'ani just to, as we finished the album, saying it's just a powerful song, but we, we need to give it credit. Um, and it's a beautiful message, you know, thanking, thanking everybody. Thanking when everybody is this going to be available to people? So it's ready, and then uh, the Sameach, basically, the good people at Sameach, we said, okay, we're going to wait till Akba Omer to release it, which is, I think, May 18th. No, but I'm asking about the single. When will that be available for people? Right. So after that album now is, is, is officially seen, we said, listen, we have to have something out for Pesach. So we took one of our best songs, it's called Yahalalu, uh-huh. and Yahalalu is this upbeat, fast tempo, uh, whatever, and full dance, dance music, techno music, <laughs> uh, just a uh, positive message, unbelievable, same guys that did the, uh, the, the music for, for Chai uh, from the Chavra, um, and um, a mix, actually, is the first time we did a mix between the guy that did the Ashray music and the guy that did the Chai music, we just collaborated all together to come up with this song, Yahalalu. And that single uh, will be released in the next few days uh, with a music video. And uh, we're so excited about it. It's just a fun music video before Yantis. Um, and we're, of course, pushing it like crazy for our concert, which is coming up Pesach. Now, one second. I, I know you said in the next few days, but what do you think? Rosh Chodesh, Tuesday, Wednesday. When do you think people will be able to actually access that brand new video and single? As we do the Tainis Bechiris, um, you know... Era of Pesach. <laughs> oh, that's when it's going to be available. <laughs> yeah, no, we got to put this thing out right away. It's going to be in the next couple of days. Oh, Hopefully, okay. next couple of days means where we're hoping by Sunday, by Monday, uh, not I mean, a week from Sunday. Hopefully, that's oh, our, very our goal. All right, so we'll build up to that. Ellie Gerson is with us live via telephone. Yeah, Hallelujah is the name of the brand new single and video, which should be out. A week from Sunday, it should be already accessible to everybody around the world. And as you heard, Lag Baomer will be the full Modani thank you CD from the Yeshiva Boys Choir. All right, so you have a lot to build up to between now and the big Pesach show. Exactly, exactly. And 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 the show is is what everybody keeps emailing and emailing you on what's on the show, what's happening. And once again, I know that we're going to discuss at Arviantis about all the ins and outs and, and all the exciting stuff. And by that point, the single will be out. Um, but uh, we just finished it. We're going to be releasing the ad now also with all the information. Basically, it's, it's Yeshiva Voice Choir obviously doing the new songs from the new Maidani album. Uh, it's, of course, including the single Yehalu, amazing choreography by Yossi Newman, like always. And um, we have uh, the Chevra, again, off this crazy tour of Rakhshem. They're doing so well. They're doing so great with this song, Kai, and we're going to come back and have a good time with them. And then just a little bit of news. So whatever it is, I don't know. I don't know how you want to call it, but um, I, I, I personally have not had a solo album in in like 13 years. I think Ooh, since the Ooh, this is interesting. 13 years. So um, we're 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 Bachshem finishing up my solo album now, um, and uh, we plan on releasing it hopefully sometime in the future before Mashiach comes, <laughs> and um, tomorrow. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be performing at the concert, which is again, a, a, a rare thing for me. Um, I'm coming out there and we're gonna debut, uh, a, a song, uh, the main song, uh, of, of my solo album. What's that one called? 
So that one's called L'chaim Taivim Mulashalim. Written by you, I assume. Yeah, written by me, and it's a lot of fun. Just, just again, positive, just having a good time. And I'm just so excited to finally sing it to people, because like it's been like sitting in in my, whatever you want to call it, under my mattress for a very long time. <laughs> That's like, where you keep them, huh? Just you know, let it out, and it's just so much fun, and I can't wait to perform it on stage, you know, um, and, and have... You know, feel the energy on the other side. What night Cholamoid should people reserve if they want to see this in concert? Thursday night Cholamoid. There's one real night Cholamoid this year, and it's Thursday night. Uh, we didn't do anything during the day this year because you always choir. We literally said last week we did Barclay Center, and then we did the, the Queen's College show. This year, with the single, with the album, with everything, we felt one night. And we're going to just put all, as they say, all of our eggs in one basket. We are having so much fun. Lighting production is, like, unbelievable. I don't know why I did this, why I'm doing it, but you guys are going to love it. It's so crazy, the lasers, the this, the that. I can't even, uh, it's so complicated. All the, uh, It's so much fun. So all right, much so, fun. That, so, that, so that happens Thursday night, Cholamoy. The single, within a week, the single will be released, and the video will be able to be viewed. It's called Yahalalu, plus your brand-new single will be debuted the night of the concert, Thursday, Cholamoid. New YBC, New Yeshiva Boys Choir full album. We can expect Lagba Omer. Have I hit all the major announcements from your uh, angle this morning? You know, for the fans, for, for the people out there, and for you, yes. But for me, my personal enjoyment is I'm bringing my brother back. It's, uh, it's almost Woo. 17 years old. Wow. With a guitar on his shoulder to come and play and do what he does. Unbelievable. Uh, almost as an, I guess you could say as an adult, <laughs> but coming out and doing his thing, and uh, it's just a different a different side of him than no one ever saw before. And, I think uh, I think you've covered. I, I can't wait people to see that as well. I think you've covered every single base that people could possibly have asked about regarding Ellie Gerstner and the Yeshiva Boys and the Chevra. I think we've done it all this morning. <laughs> every every question we'd ask in a one hour interview, I think we covered in these few minutes here at JM and the AM. I'll see you circus, Nachum. <laughs> yes, we'll reconvene then. Ellie Mazaltov, let us know the exact release of Yahalalu. We'll let everyone know, and I'm sure they'll enjoy it both in audio and video form. Thanks for joining us this morning at JM and the AM. Thank you. There he is, Ellie Gerstner, filled with major announcements this morning. Pretty amazing, huh? Thursday night, Cholamoy, and of course, uh, next week for the big video, we'll let everyone know. I'm sure it'll be a great song, as always are. Uh, don't forget the OU Singles Connection has a Chesed Chagiga going on this coming Sunday for singles over 35. Mix and mingle while doing mitzvot this coming Sunday at 6 p.m. at the Young Israel of New Hyde Park on 77th Avenue in New Hyde Park, New York. OUcommunity.org slash singles has all the information. You can check it out. And get set to enjoy the Young Israel Affair Lawn. They invite Joel Chasnoff, the great comedian. Uh, he'll be doing the event this coming Sunday night at 6 p.m. They'll hold it at the Anche Lubavitch Center of Fairlawn. It is for the Young Israel Affair Lawn. Joel Chasnoff is a very funny man. I can tell you that much. Uh, you can check out their website at the Young Israel Affair Lawn. They have all the information up there if you have a chance. And if you love a good comedian... Who has a lot of good Jewish material? Go check, go check him out. Mazal tov to our friends in Manhattan Day School on the big dinner on Sunday night. Mazal tov to our friends at TABC on their big dinner on Sunday night. Lots of activities happening in the community this weekend. Check out our community calendar online. If you go to jmnam.org, click on community calendar, you'll be able to see some of the things that are happening 
in this amazing world of ours. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Tazria, Erev Shabbos HaChodesh, with candle lighting at 6.57 on this Erev Shabbos, 6.57, your official candle lighting time. We uh, again want to wish a mazel tov to uh, Frimi and Zalman Kopel. Their brand new baby boy was born early this morning. Mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also want to wish a special mazel tov, uh, not as mazel tov, I want to, I want to give a special alert to our uh, listenership out there in our JM and the AM land that uh, this coming Tuesday on Rosh Chodesh, the legend himself, Ben Sion Schenker, is going to be in studio here at JM and the AM. The great Chazen Ben Sion Schenker, amazing composer, amazing Chazen icon of the uh, Mudget's Hasidic dynasty. He's going to be in our studio this coming Tuesday. We'll take your phone calls, have a rare opportunity to speak with Ben Sion Schenker coming up this Tuesday, Rosh Chodesh morning at JM in the AM. Reminder that Table for Two with Naomi Nachman comes up next at 9 o'clock Eastern Time on the stream. Right, Moshe Elephant from the OU will be discussing quinoa, brand new items for Pesach, the OU hotline. Susie Fishbein will be on with her latest, uh, and also the, um, uh, the, um, uh, representative of Pesach and Lake George, Michelle Conrad, is going to be on between 9 and and 10 Eastern Time. And a big thank you to our friends at Kedem because the big Jewish music Erev Shabbos mix comes up starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time all the way until candlelighting at jmandtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in all day long. Tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull starting at 10. Uh, Matis hosts JM Sunday, Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. on our stream, all at jmandtheam.org. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM and the AM. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Spend the day together with the Holy One Say special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. And now we'll close out an amazing week here at JMNAM. Don't forget, Tuesday, Ben Sion Schenker. The icon himself in our studio right here on a Rosh Chodesh morning this coming Tuesday. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. Matas with JM Sunday beginning Sunday at 7 a.m. on our stream. Naomi Nachman is next with Table for Two. Make sure to be tuned in and enjoy. Have a fabulous Shabbos, a wonderful weekend, and until Monday morning at 6 a.m., Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, trust the future.